Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that takes a look at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports. And joining me is Adam White, founder and CEO of Front Office Sports. Adam, super excited to have you on the show for the second time. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Rob. I, uh, I think they usually say the, uh, the sequel is not as good as the first movie, but uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully in this case, the, the sequel is a little bit better. You, you never know. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was a, a Shrek fan and not a Shrek 2 fan, so hopefully we can make this a little bit better than Shrek 2. Well, we certainly will try, and it's been almost a year since we last spoke, so let's start with this. Fill us in on what's been cooking in the world of front office sports, because I know I'm a subscriber to your guys' newsletter. I follow what you guys are doing on a regular basis. Yeah, man, it's been a heck of a year to say the least, right? So (laughs) this time last year, I was actually graduating from the University of Miami, and it's kind of hard to believe that it it was already a year ago, but... You know, at that point in the evolution of the business, it was still much more of a, a hobby for myself. Uh, it seemed like it was something that I was going to be able to keep up on the side. I was going to go out and do a couple interviews at places, uh, different sports properties, and was going to get a job and, and just work my way up through the industry. And uh, at some point during the summer, as I was interviewing and I was talking to people and the, and the site had continued to grow. Uh, I was I was sitting there and I was thinking to myself, you know, you're you're 22, 23 years old. You don't really have any commitments right now. You have this thing that you've built with a bunch of your you know closest friends who've become friends because of what you've done and, together. And I thought to myself, shoot, what happens if for the first time I just double down and and see what happens, right? What, what can we do with this? Can we actually make it into something? Can we make it where we want it to be if if we actually gave it two years, right? So at that time, I gave myself till I was 25. And I'm, you know, turning 24 in October. So still have another year uh, in terms of trying to accomplish some of the goals that we want to do. And, and it was at that point where things started to shift, right? And so I went out and I said, look, this is what we're going to do. These are what we're going to need. And at that time, we hadn't monetized at all, really, right? So we were just building the audience. We were trying to build a community on the newsletter, on social media, on our website, right? So where we could get to the point that we could finally then go in and find brand partners who would want to work with us. And, you know, come, I want to say September or October, um, we started really making some traction, right? We were able to secure the likes of the college football playoff. We were able to just secure influencer. We were able to secure MKTG. We were able to secure team infographics. You know, we were able to work with a bunch of different partners because we went out and I said, look, I'm going to believe in myself and I'm going to believe in what we've built at front office sports. And we're going to go pitch this to these, these partners and say, look, you know, we've, we know we can bring value. Trust us to be our launch partners. Right. And I'm so thankful to those and, and audience view as well, who they believed in what we're doing. They said, look, these kids can, these kids can do it. And, and, you know, and they, they put their money where their mouth was. And I was, and I was really, you know, it's something that's been really special for us because of the fact that they allowed us to not only get a rebrand with centerfold, right. And we went through that whole process in the past year. We went through a whole new brand new website platform that really brought all the different things that had split up about us together. And that was the biggest thing. So the first step after getting those launch partners and, you know, really selling it as, Hey, you guys are going to be the people that help us take the next step. And we're going to do everything that we can to bring you as much value because we know the value we're going to bring. And I think 
as anyone running a business, right? That that's like an important, it's important to be honest with your partners, right? And it's important to tell them, look, we're, we're just starting out. There may be bumps in the roads. Things may not go as always as planned, but you know, if, if you're honest with us at this beginning part, you know, you're going to help us get to that next level. And you're always going to be one of those people that's associated with helping us get to the next level. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, people may sell themselves short of is it's okay to be transparent with partners. Partners want to know what you're doing. Partners want to see your vision. And, and if they're the right partner for you, right? Not everyone's going to be the right partner. They'll buy into that vision and they'll say, yes, we want to be a part of this evolution that you're going to go through. And so that's, that's the evolution we, we've been through, right? And so now, you know, fast forward here, a couple months after signing those partnerships, we have a completely redone website in January. We have a completely new brand identity. And the fact that when we wanted to shift from that brand identity is because of the fact that our old logo was great. I am thankful to the day I got it for $40 when I first started, right? And it, and it served its purpose to a certain extent, but we had been running into, and, I, and this is one of the challenges, We've been running into a lot of brands, potential partners, even people we were talking to just on stories and everything like that. We saw front office sports as the 18, 19 year old blog written by kids who were in college and had a, you know, had an 18, 19 year old audience when the numbers actually show 50% of our audience is senior level managers and above, right? So people who are cashing checks, people who are cutting checks, people who are spending for partners. Um, and so when we looked down and we, and we broke it down, we said, we need a logo that, and a brand positioning that we can get behind that's going to take us to that next level. So all these new people, right? We'd already brought on people into the community and those people have grown up with us and they understood who we were, but all the new people, and that's what I was worried about is all these new people would still see us as the 19, 18, whatever year old thing, instead of, you know, this is a polished professional industry B2B publication that covers the business side of the sports as good or better than any other publication in the space. And so that was the impetus behind the shift, right? And we didn't do a drastic shift. We still stayed with our black and white color scheme. The FOS, we became pretty prominent. We went to a, a track style theme uh, to keep the sports, to keep the sports side built in. And, and so that, that was like the big shift, right? So we got the launch partners and then we got, the the shift and the change in the brand identity which took us to the next level and then we got the new uh the new identity and the new website and that's really really kind of like it's like the tipping point right it's like people were like oh wow this is actually for real now these people are going to be a real player and so we did that and you know we've continued to go out and bring on a few new partners here and there we are doing some services now for other brands, right? So we're going to be shooting uh, a B2B video for Toyota, right? At Daytona in July, we're going to be, we're currently working with sports business um, students and sports business uh, programs at different universities to run their social media uh, handles and build up communities like we've done, right? And so that's the big thing is that you look at our evolution and we looked at ourselves and we said, okay, what are we good at outside of putting together an audience and driving people to different brands and, you know, enlightening people with content and engaging people on social. And one of the other things we looked at was like, you know, we can create videos, we can do all this other stuff. And what's so been so great about that is people really look at us and they're like, wow, this is, this is something that has now become 
something that I want to read every day and something that I want to see every day. And if I, you know, I look back at our numbers and it may not seem like a crazy thing, but in the last three or four months, um, you know, we've had, I want to say 40,000 people who visited us, you know, over five times, you know, and that's, and that's huge. Right. And that's, and that's huge because that means people are coming back to us and, and that's what we wanted. Right. We didn't want to be that one hit wonder anymore. We wanted to be someone that people opened up the newsletter, people trusted. And, and now it, it's, it's all about taking it to the next level. We got to this point, but how do we get to the point where we get more full-time people, right? So we were able to get myself to be full-time here this past summer or right now, right? So starting in May, you know, all of our writers are now paid all of our, you know, people that we work with on video. So everyone's paid now. And that's, and that's a huge thing. And that's the thing that we've always wanted to get to. Um, and so that's, that's, that's where we're at now. Right. And so now it's, how do we continue to build upon what we're doing, produce more great content, drive more people back to the site, and then find a way to continue to do that alongside brand partners who want to be involved with our audience that we've built. And, and I think we have a pretty good idea and a formula behind that that takes a mix of, you know, written content, digitally created content, whether that's video, graphics, whatever, uh, and then also mingling in some experiential side uh, that we can really, at least in my opinion, do some creative stuff for brands on the event side that they may not be able to do so themselves because there's a different angle when we're putting on an event presented by a brand versus a brand putting on an event and inviting people out. It's just a much more different appeal to people and we have a different angle when it comes to inviting different people. So that is a big space that, that we're exploring as well. So, all right. So um, let's, let's look at the, the world of marketing uh, as a whole, what has your eye right now in sports and marketing? Yeah. I mean, I think just it's, it's gotta be the experiential side of things, right? There's, there's so much noise on, uh, online. There's people are using ad blockers, you know, there's a race to the bottom for CPMs. You're looking at the duopoly between Google and Facebook owning most of the ad revenue. So these brands are looking for ways that, especially with the millennial audience to get in front of these consumers in a way that's going to be memorable in a way that these consumers are going to take pictures of in a way that these consumers are going to remember. And so I think that's a big push and especially too on the content side, there's a lot of brands who are investing in content, but on the quality side. And I think that's where you're going to see a really large uptick is that it's really not about quantity of banner ads. It's not about quantity of tweets from brands. It's not about quantity, quantity, quantity anymore. It's about what's going to make the biggest impact and what's going to, you know, you know, what's going to be something that our key consumers can align themselves with, can get behind, whether it's, I know I just saw recently saw this thing where Uber took, I believe it was a Manchester United super fan from India to the game. And then they brought, you know, the, the experience of old Trafford to, uh, to this community in India where these, these fans could go in and experience what it would look like to be sitting at the stadium. And, it, and it's just these types of things where you can find a way to bring the consumer and the brand together, whether it's through digital, whether it's through social whether it's through experiential activation that will allow the consumer to identify with the brand and, and do so in a way that's positive because that brand positively impacted their life, whether it was they really enjoyed the content, whether it was they had a great time with their friends at an event, or 
you know, it was one of those, what I call like a lifetime moments where it's something so special that the brand is going to be remembered forever alongside that, that moment. And I think if you can do one of those three or find a way to mix all those three, you're going to, you're going to be in a really good spot. And lastly, what do you think the market has been slow to adopt or react to? Because for me, I think there's, there's just a myriad of things that we talk about all the time on the sports marketing huddle podcast, whether it's the lack of adoption of video or not seeing the growth of brands using audio and podcasts. Uh, there's the lack of fan engagement. I mean, a lot of things that you just talked about from an experiential side, I see brands failing on numerous occasions. So what do you see that the market's been slow to react to? Yeah, well, I guess I'll touch on a few things, right? So at least on the, the B2B side, I think, or not Facebook, LinkedIn is like a, is like a, a untapped, untapped, untapped uh, oh, yeah. for teams, for just B2B publishers, right? For, for whatever you want to think about. I feel like LinkedIn is very untapped, right? You know, you can go on there and especially video on LinkedIn and, and you may have, you know, feelings towards this as well. But I know when we post video on LinkedIn, it's, it's going to do really well, right? I had one post that I did with Ryan Bishara, who's the, one of the heads of partnerships over at LAFC. You know, it's doing fifth, close to 15,000 views, right? 11 to 15,000 views last time I checked. And that's just on LinkedIn, right? And that's on a space that you would never really see as video specific. And so on the B2B side, I think there's a huge opportunity for brands to invest in a lot of paid LinkedIn generation, and I think that's and I think that's a big part of it, right? Is I think you can invest in that and in paid LinkedIn advertisements, right? We did one one time just as a test for our newsletter, and we saw incredible results, right? Uh, so on the B two B side, LinkedIn is is definitely there. I think on social, just paid social as a whole, is something that marketers and brands have to get better at, and, and especially on the sports side, is these teams leveraging these immense powers of Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Snapchat is, you know, not as much, but especially Instagram and Facebook and driving like real, real return, right? So ticket sales, merchandise sales, doing promoted uh, paid ad campaigns around, you know, bobblehead nights, you know, why isn't a minor league baseball team going out and promoting their bobblehead night through Instagram, right? And through these ads and, and all these things that you could definitely get behind. So I think that's, that's a huge opportunity. And I think that's just also education, right? There's, there's a lot of people, and I remember I was on a panel and I was speaking to Dan Moriarty, who's the head of digital for the Chicago Bulls, and his biggest thing that he mentioned is, you know, we're trying to find people who know how to use paid social and do it well, and that's their, like, that's their biggest struggle. So I think that's going to be a really, you know, you, you look at, especially on the social media side of things, you look at these different skill sets that these social media people have, I think being able to really own and do paid social really, really well is a trait and a skill that all of these marketers and all of these teams, whether they want it now or two years from now, is going to be something that's highly coveted. So if anyone can learn how to do that, I, I would say that's, that's a big thing. Uh, and then voice too. I think voice is as a huge opportunity, right? I've, we've seen a few people dabble lightly in voice. Uh, we've seen a few people, I know Orlando city has an Alexa skill. There's a couple other ones but, you know, even just, just walking around or something like that, especially with like Apple watches or, you know, or the echoes or the homes from Google, 
everything I think is going to start shifting towards voice and, and it might not be like right now. And, but it, it, it's not a bad idea to be an early adopter, you know, and, and someone is as easy as like ESPN or something like that, investing in voice where I can be brushing my teeth and say, Hey, Amazon, tell me the sports highlights from today. And you know, or Hey Alexa, Hey Alexa, tell me the sports highlights for today. And ESPN comes on and, and that, Alexa skill is presented by, you know, Morgan Stanley. And then she goes into, you know, what's going on in sports today. It's just those, those opportunities that I think are going to continue to evolve and are continuing to be an important part of the, the landscape. And then at least on our, our side on content uh, video, I think, and it's not just any video. I think it's just like, it's really quality stuff, right? I, there's, there's a race for, people to create as much content as possible, which is an unfortunate thing because that gets these brands and these professionals and all this other stuff. They, they want the $50,000 video treatment, but they're only willing to pay two ninety nine for it. And, and that's a problem, right? That's the, that's the big problem right now is that, you know, at least in some regards, people, people want, you know, a 10 minute feature video that's going to feature all this stuff but they're going to want to pay $5,000 for it. They're going to want to pay $2,500 for it. And, you know, it's coming to terms with if you want quality nowadays, it's going to cost. Right. And that's, and that's just how it is because of the fact that a it's in such demand and B that, you know, you're seeing the returns and the opportunities to use this video in multiple different ways as something that is, is there. And I think, you know, if there is a commitment, especially on like the digital side of things. And this is with staffs too. And I think that the NBA does a good job at the league level, but you know, at an executive level, realizing that digital and social media is like so much more than just people posting on Twitter and so much more than just people posting on Instagram. You know, like those are your channels that people see the most 24 seven. They interact with, if you're a Yankees fan and you're following them on Twitter, Instagram, you know, Facebook, all these different things. I know a lot of these teams that have two or three social media people who are handling seven different channels. You know, how, how are you going to get an effective, you know, strategy out of that? Or how are you going to really create effective ROI if you're only having two people who are running around trying to cover that? And so I think that's the big thing is, is these, these teams having to realize that, you know, you look at, and this is maybe us based, but you look abroad and you look at these massive, Premier League teams, a Manchester City, there was just a good article in Fast Company about beyond winning on the pitch, their second biggest push is content and creating great content and then getting their brands involved with that content. And so I think at least in the States that there just has to be an all out understanding that, and this comes from the top down, and like you mentioned, slow to adopt, that digital teams, to be successful, you need more than one or two people. You need a team of five, six, seven people who can really come in and produce great stuff because at that point, then you can turn that great stuff into branded content and then you can see ROI. You could be running paid social campaigns. You could be running paid ticket you know, campaigns, paid customer acquisition campaigns for emails. So it's just, there's like a huge opportunity there that it really comes down to an investment and, and which team is going to be that team that says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a large investment in this digital team because I have belief in the people and the consumers who are going to be able to, and the professionals, excuse me, who are going to be able to really own this brand and, and, and be that front porch that we need. Yep. So 
I, I feel you 100% on that. So, Adam, where can people connect with you in front office sports? Yeah, no, absolutely. On Twitter, uh, I'm FOS Adam. It's pretty simple. I've, I've been that for a while. I used to be at the original A-Dub, but uh, <laughs> when, I, when I started front office sports, I was like, I don't know if this is going to fly anymore. Just like we all have to change our Gmails from our crazy kid Gmails to like a more professional Gmail is kind of like the same thing. So yeah, FOS Adam on Twitter, uh, Adam at F-R-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-E-S-P-O-R-T.com. So if you go to our Twitter handle, which is at front office sport, F-R-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-E-S-P-O-R-T. That's our URL. That's our username uh, on Twitter. That's our username on Instagram. That's our email too. Um, so yeah, those two places are probably the best. LinkedIn, it's just Adam White. Uh, so pretty simple. But yeah, LinkedIn, Twitter, and uh, email are usually the easiest ways to get a hold of me. So Awesome. I appreciate you coming on the show. And as an action item for the listener, the biggest thing you can do to help out the sports marketing huddle is to head to iTunes right now. Give it a rating and review, but I want you to do something else. I want you to ask a question in there because when you do, I will answer it on the podcast. If you've listened to three or more episodes, then clearly you're getting value out of what we are doing here. So do us a favor, rate and review. It'll help with discovery. It really helps more people in the world of sports marketing find out about us. We would really appreciate it. And as always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Rob Cressy or check me out at Bacon Sports on everything else. Have an awesome day. Woo-hoo!